0: Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty. Ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complementary maintenance included Hyundai-approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles, plus tire rotation and normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations.
1: Hi again, everyone. Time for a brand new episode of the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. Stacey King, alongside Timmy Whisper, has just finished a high level business meeting and he's joined us. Or he came back from the bathroom, one of the two. Well,
0: there's more decisions made in the bathroom than the boardroom, as they say. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
1: So, you got big news to tell
0: us about? Anything going on? Nothing yet, but when it happens, you guys will be first to know.
1: Wow. (laughs) Can't wait. That's going to be fun stuff. Hey, want to thank everybody who uh, reached out and, and said some kind words about our interview last week with Phil Jackson, the Zen Master. Of course, Phil does not do a lot of media. He agreed to join Stacy, his former player, and we had a lot of fun talking to Phil. We're glad that the folks out there enjoyed it. We had a lot of people that uh, tuned in on YouTube and on the various podcast platforms, and it was great to have Phil on. You know what?
2: We, you know, here at Gimme the Hot Sauce America, we aim for the best, okay? We try to bring the best guests that we possibly can find. I call it big game fishing. I throw the line out there. Sometimes you get some nibbles, Mark. Sometimes (laughs) you catch a little bluegill. You got to throw it back. And then there's other times you, you catch a shark.
1: That's right. And we call it a shark. Cut a few
2: sharks this year
1: we got another champion bull coming up scott williams the tank is going to join us he uh, wrote a new book through the fire talking about some personal adversity that he went through as a through young man that helped shaped his life we'll also uh, get some stories from scott about his time with the bulls about tiny Avenger. yeah <laughs> we talked about that last time <laughs> he was on the show he, he enjoyed that a lot uh,
2: yeah he's he has, he's a tiny avenger oh yeah i don't know what episode that was on the show but it was a great one
1: And we got another special guest coming up next week. You want to tease that Stacey?
2: Yeah, tease it. Go ahead, Mark.
1: Scotty Pippen. One of the greatest of all time is going to join us next week for a special interview scotty of course uh, has not done a lot of interviews either over the last few years since he left espn we're going to talk to him about his great bulls career he's got his own line of bourbon that, yes. that he's talking about. i just to talked to him today I, yeah.
2: I, first thing i asked him was where's my digit my bourbon that's right uh, i'm not even a bourbon drinker but i will drink his bourbon because that's my boy and i asked him i said hey uh can i get can i get
1: a digit he's yeah
2: like, i didn't, I didn't see anyone now you didn't send me one. <laughs> you didn't send me one. So he's going to
1: send me one. So Scott Williams coming up and make your plans to join us for Scottie Pippen next week. And when he brings uh, some bourbon for us, you're going to wash that down with some cold 45? People yeah, got a kick out of that story. Mark,
2: first of all, don't bring that up again. Okay? I was like, well, it's all you know, over course, social media, you know, you know I mean, other than that. You know, sometimes, you, sometimes America, I have a lot of great stories. A lot of great stories, America. I didn't, I never thought I was going to bring that story up. You notice I never brought it up. Well, Phil then, brought it up, yeah. yeah. Phil, Phil dug that. He dug real deep in the chest cavity. pull that one out. Um, I don't suggest anybody, you know, drink uh Colt 45 Uh you're dehydrated or if you're angry don't do that those are the two things don't do that but it was an experience and it was a learning experience and uh i've never done it since
1: that's right high alcohol content in the and mall Billy liquor Williams, for all if you. you out
2: there i'm looking
1: for you you told me it was smooth
2: and it goes down perfectly and i am tell you it wasn't smooth and it didn't
1: go down perfectly <laughs> another thing that didn't go down perfectly for bulls fans was the nba draft lottery oh, held earlier this week and they only had a 1.8 percent chance to get the first pick or 8.5 percent to move into the top four so it's not like everybody was counting on getting one of those top four picks but it would have been nice in terms of trying to improve the roster and he's going to go to the san antonio spurs he of course being victor Wembenyama, the french sensation seven foot five inches oh, combination that? of kevin durant and rudy gobert i mean he's, he's going to be an impact player from day one it's kind of interesting the san antonio spurs got david robinson with the number one pick and then robinson got hurt uh, midway through his career they got the first pick and they got tim duncan now they're getting victor Wembenyama. something's just break right
2: well let me just say this mark in america i'm not a sore loser but I am a sore loser. I want a recount of this draft process. I'm calling it out right now. I, I believe in these conspiracy theories. There's, there's just no way in the world that, that kid should have ended up there. I'm sorry. We needed him way more than San Antonio. Okay. San Antonio's had two of the best centers of all time on their roster. Now they're going to get a
1: third. A third, yeah.
2: You know, you have, you know, you got the running back, you quarterback, you linebacker, you. Now you got center, center, college, whatever. Three has a possibility of now having three of the all-time great centers. Now, Now you know, Victor's got to prove himself, but from all the hype coming in, it looks like it's, he's going to be one of those guys. So I'm a little disappointed. And, um, you know, I feel like I was you know hitting the grassy knoll. And uh, I want to recount. I want to redo the, the draft process over again.
1: Well, did you see the photo of him uh, wearing a Tony Parker jersey when he was uh, a young, young boy? Tony Parker, of course, the great spur. Yeah.
2: Listen, America. I'm not saying there's a conspiracy
1: or anything, but.
2: All I'm going to say is somebody (laughs) tweeted me. You know, I get a lot of great responses from people. Okay. They always, you know, I'm active on social media. And so somebody tweeted me when uh, Brian Windhorst was in France. During the draft. And they were interviewing him once they figured out where he was going. And Windhorst slipped up and basically said, You've known for weeks now that you were going to San Antonio. And, um, you know, so now it's, now it's happened. So what do you think about that? And then I'm like, wait a minute. Did he just say he's known for weeks that he's going to San Antonio? Yeah. How how do you make that big of a gaffe? You know what I'm saying? If you didn't know something that everyone else doesn't know. You know well, what I'm saying?
1: Brian looked a little bit sleepy in that interview. It was 2.15 in Paris. And, and, you know, he's not exactly in the best uh, – Physical well, condition. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, Mark. Mark, is a, a straight bullet. Ooh. There's trains flying over in Windy, baby. He looked Wait, tired. Let me put it that way. It. He probably went in and had a, uh, what do you call that? McDonald's Royale. <laughs> <laughs> he probably he had a Royale with cheese. I don't know what a quarter founder hey. is. No, that's called remember god. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, it was a big map a, a quarter pounder a Royale or something. Yeah, 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 he had a lot of those that night. He looked like he was <laughs> he looked like he had a bender out there, <laughs>
1: <laughs> So, conspiracy theories aside, uh, the way things shook out, Portland moved up from 5 to 3 and they're trying to get some veteran help to Ooh. pacify Damian Lillard who says build a championship team around me. He doesn't want to f- ask for a trade. He wants to play his entire career in Portland. He's on a long-term contract. The Bulls right now are owed a pick from the uh, Lowry marketing and trade via Portland uh, right now. That's a protected lottery pick, so they're not going to get it this year. But there's been some talk that they may the Blazers might be willing to send the pick that the Knicks owe them, which is number twenty three, to the Bulls, to, so that they can get out from under the NBA restrictions. On it gets kind of complicated, but in terms of trading future first, you think there's a some common ground with the Bulls and the Trailblazers because we heard that. AK met with Brandon Miller of Alabama, who's the second or third pick in the draft.
2: Well, if you're the Bulls, you got to do your due diligence just in yeah. case that happens, you know, and they have assets, you know, because Damon Lillard is not getting any younger. Um, they've got to put people around him that can help him try to win a championship. And, you know, we have some guys that, that are tradable pieces. Whether you want to get rid of them or not, they're tradable pieces. Uh, Phoenix also is, is on the take. Uh, you know they're looking to move DeAndre yeah. Ayton, which is a young center, which you know a rim protector, big that can run the floor, which we're in the market for. Uh, so you don't, you know, if you're if you're the Bulls front office, you got to look at everything. You know, there you can't wait. You you know I always say you know you can be proactive, but it's bad to be reactive. You know what I'm saying? So it's better to get out ahead of everything and work it and then try to find something that's going to benefit you and help you instead of waiting and, and depending on other people.
1: So that you know that kind of trade to move up to the number of third pick in the draft would probably cost you DeRozan or Levine. I mean, is that something you're, – you're, you're, then you're going into a total rebuild if you make that kind of move.
2: Yeah, we, you know, we were talking about this earlier with my my good friend Francisco and and Nikki, you know, Knuckles. We were talking before we came. And happy to the birthday show. to Nikki! Yeah, happy, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he's seventy two. Happy birthday! <laughs> happy birthday, Nick! He looks you good know, for seventy two. The old fool. Uh,
1: so,
2: so, you know, we were talking about that, and and you know, Lonzo Ball. Until you know, like, what the situation is with Lonzo, is he going to come back? Is he going to be healthy? Is he even going to play next year? Because if he's not going to play next year, then you might as well just go ahead and say, hey, look, let's see. Let's see if we can salvage this and, and start rebuilding. And you got to keep your young players, you know, Patrick Williams, you know, Kobe White. That means you're going to have to commit to them. Um, and then you may have to move one or two of these guys, you know, and or you might have to move. I mean, you got Vooch, too, is a free agent. They they have to make a decision on him. So um, they, they've got a really, really big summer to to find out what they want to do.
1: Yeah, they're really the two options that AK talked about at his end of the season news conference was kind of sticking with continuity and with keep the core pieces in place. Then that means basically you re-sign Vooch, you re-sign Kobe White, and you just try to add some guys with the mid-level exception that maybe bring in a shooter. But when you look at the fact that they only won 40 games this year and Lonzo's most likely not going to play for some or all of next season, you know, that's not a great formula for going into next year when you know there's so many good teams in the East.
2: Yeah, and even the younger teams are going to get better. Detroit, Detroit's going to get better. Uh, Orlando. And Indiana's going to get better. Orlando's going to get better. So, you know, you find yourself, if you stay pat, you're banking that, you know, you're going to have Zoe back. You're going to go out and get some pieces that you need with the core group that you already have. Uh, But you're going to have to make a commitment to re-sign Vooch. You know, over, you know, I don't know what he's going to offer, you know, what he wants. But, you know, I'm sure he's looking for this is his last big contract, you know, so it's going to be you know, pretty expensive. And then you got to remember, you know, um, DeMar DeRozan's a free agent um, after this season, I think. So yeah, they, they, they've got a lot of, you know, a lot of things. You don't want Vooch to walk for nothing because you basically gave up all your young talent and draft picks to get him. So if he walked out the door and you got, I mean, you basically got nothing for him. He was a rented player. And then same thing with, with you know, with DeMar you know, Demar leaves all-star caliber player and you didn't move him before you knew he was going to be a free agent, then you lose an all-star caliber player and got nothing in return.
1: The Bulls have obviously need some three-point shooting. They ranked near the bottom of the league in three-point attempts and three-point makes during the past season. There are some guys on the free agent market. There's Seth Curry, there's Max Struess, the local kid who's shooting the lights out for the Miami <laughs> Heat as they're rolling through the playoffs. How important is it them for them to get some more three-point shooting on this roster?
2: It's very important. I mean, you see in the playoffs how how important it is to have viable pieces on the floor that are a threat to shoot threes. Um, You know, that's something the Bulls don't have. You don't have a consistent outside guy that you know when that ball leaves his hand, it's automatic. You know, you look at a guy like Max Struess, who we had, you know, he was in our our building, and then we let him go. You know, and we kept – I don't remember who we kept, but (sighs) – a good decision there you know, well what
1: happened was you know he had the acl injury and then they changed front offices so ak and them didn't bring in Stru, so they had no loyalty to to keeping them
2: yeah i don't, know, I, don't know, I mean look at him now he started yeah. for a team that that may be getting to the finals you know that wasn't no fluke that they walked into boston and won that you know one game one you know jimmy butler is playing out of his mind right now so uh and with the you know duncan robinson who's a guy who's been basically on the bench most of the season They had to play him with Tyler Hero being out. He had to come in and give him some scoring, and they're not worried about his defense. They feel like they can cover it up out there with the with the, you know, Bam uh, and Jimmy and Kyle Lowry, and they've been able to do that.
1: And how about Miami? I think they've got like seven undrafted guys on their Uh, roster. Caleb Martin is like a force playing that wing position, and Gabe Vincent seems to hit big shots every game
2: if you done if you've done your homework on those martin boys you go back to when they were in nevada yeah you know both those twins Ate were the Sweet really 16, yeah. really good players okay because they didn't go to a big university uh you know they didn't get put in situations where they could succeed you know they were in charlotte and they were just role players you know this kid has shown you that he's more than a role player you know he's a serviceable player that can defend he's a he's a you know, wing defender he can knock down threes he can handle the ball at six foot six six foot seven and he's what everyone is looking for you know a, a a guy with long arms that's very athletic that can guard switch and guard different people and you know bottom line is you know he's one of these guys that people want the bulls could use a guy like that you, you Yeah, don't think
0: ahead. uh ak is looking at this saying hey we had a better regular season than the heat and if we had just beat him in that play in game, we might, they had the him, spot. they had him beat, yeah, you know, but right? Could that be a possibility. Well, well that's that both that, fans right?
1: are worried. The fact that they're going to say, well, that could have been us. Exactly. That went all the way through to the Eastern Conference finals. No. Yeah. yeah. But no. I mean, no. that, just being honest. Yeah.
2: I keep it real here. No cap. Okay. That wouldn't have been us. Yeah. Wouldn't have been us because we, you know, we have so many, there are so many holes in this team. You know, this team, anytime you're up 14, 15 points and you lose, you you can't be a really serious contender because you can't finish games. This yeah. team this team did not show you that they can they can finish games. They had Miami beat. They yeah. had them beat. All they had to do was finish the game.
1: We and, saw a lot of games like that during this past that, season. That's
2: what I'm saying, Mark. That's not a, that's not a knock on this team. It's being honest. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be a team that's going to go deep into the playoffs, you have to be a finisher. You got to have guys that can finish games for you. Jimmy Butler by himself is a finisher. When Jimmy wasn't in the game in the series, and I think it was game two in New York, and he set out, that team played really, really well without him. But in that fourth quarter, down the stretch, that three, four-minute stretch in the end of the game, when they needed someone to close the game out, he wasn't there. And they ended up losing a very close game to the Knicks. But then when Jimmy came back, you saw the difference that he makes. You gotta be able to finish. To get to get to where Miami is doing, you gotta remember too, people forget Miami wasn't a very good defensive team this year. No. Compared to how they were in the past. Okay. This was a very average Miami defense. They have been one of the best defensive teams in the playoffs right now. They're on a hot streak defensively.
1: Yeah. And You know, you look at uh, what Miami did in Game 1 against Boston, and it was Jimmy Butler had the ball in his hands every half-court possession. He was facilitating. He was getting in the paint, either scoring for himself, getting to the free-throw line, or kicking it out to one of their open three-point shooters. On the other side of the court, Jason Tatum was traveling. He, He didn't score in the fourth quarter in that game. He had 30 points, but he had zero in the fourth quarter when it was winning time, and... You know, you look at the difference in a, in a guy like Jimmy Butler, who's not afraid of anything. And I know a lot of Bulls fans are reaching, out, oh, man, why do we trade him? Well, you got to remember, Jimmy was looking for a max deal. He ended up going to Minnesota, wore out his welcome there, went to Philly. They didn't want to keep him, and now he's in Miami. He's found a home, and he's playing great. He's a top 10 player mm-hmm. in the league, but that not, wouldn't necessarily have happened here.
2: Well, America, let me tell you, Jimmy needed structure. Jimmy's always had Buzz Williams and and Marquette was a guy that Jimmy respected. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was, there was, there was law there, you know, there wasn't law in Minnesota, even though Tom Thibodeau was a coach and and Jimmy had played for him, you know, Jimmy didn't like the front office. It wasn't that he didn't like Tibbs. He was against the front office. So therefore he didn't play, he played good, but he, he wore out his welcome there. You go to, you go to Philadelphia, same thing. You know, he wore out his welcome. You go to Miami where they have culture, the heat culture, just like you always say you have culture. You look at, you know, you look at the New England Patriots, culture. San teams that win have strong culture. They have strong leadership, okay? So a player like Jimmy comes into Miami. LeBron, same thing. LeBron is one of these guys, as great as LeBron is, LeBron wants to do things the way he wants to do them. He went to Miami. He had to learn how to win because he wasn't going to win a championship by himself. Maybe he maybe he wins one, maybe two, but he wasn't going to win any championships until he went to Miami cuz he had to he had to be shown how to win and let people let the front office do what the front office does. He has no control over who comes to Miami's roster, who doesn't. So there's structure there. Pat Riley is the man. Pat Riley Pat Riley is the guy that calls all the shots. And He's Spulcher, the godfather. And and Spulcher is a disciple of that. And there's a there's, you know, back when LeBron came when he first year that he was there, uh, Miami was playing a preseason game in Charlotte and LeBron wanted to stay and party on a Saturday. And the, the Heat didn't play again until like Tuesday or Wednesday. Now, normally, you know, in LeBron's been other places where they stay. So he asked he asked Dwayne Wade to go in there and say, hey, man, can you go talk to Spolster and see if we can stay? He said, no, you go talk to Spolster. I already know he's going to say no. <laughs> so LeBron went to go ask him. And then I guess Spolstra told him, no, we're going home tonight. Yeah. Sorry. Going home. And, and, that, and that was a message. That was a message to LeBron. We're not making concessions. We have a way we're doing things. You either get on board or it's going to be a long time for you.
1: And every time Jimmy gets in front of the microphone in these postgame press conferences, he always says, Coach Spolstra and Coach Pat. So, you know, <laughs> there's reverence there and there's respect.
2: And, and you know what? I mean, I'm glad to see him playing well, you know. Um, Jimmy's a guy who's always had a chip on his shoulder.
1: Sure. Well, you think about the way he was brought up.
2: Yes. He has a chip on his shoulder. He's been through so much in his life and he's looking constantly fighting for respect. He wants his name when it's all said and done to be one of the best players ever to play the game. And how do you do that? You do that by showing up in these moments here in the playoffs, carrying a team. You look at this roster, you take Jimmy Butler off this roster. This team is not in the second round of the playoffs. They may, they may not even make the playing game if Jimmy Butler's not on that squad. You put Jimmy Butler on there, and then you put six other guys, seven other guys who are undrafted, who have chips on their shoulders. Now you got a team with attitude, moxie, and that's willing to do whatever it takes to win.
1: Looks like we're going to have two great conference finals. Uh, we're recording this podcast on Thursday afternoon we're ahead of game two in the Nuggets-Lakers Ooh. series. That first game was unbelievable. It looked like Denver was going to run them right out of the gym, and the Lakers came all the way back within three. LeBron actually had a shot to tie the game. Jokic was almost perfect in that first half, and then AD went off in the second half, finished with 40 points.
2: Well, the problem the Lakers are going to have with Denver is, is that, you know, because of Jokic, does so many things. He handles the ball. He posts up. He can shoot the three. Golden State did not have a big like that. So all the Lakers had to do was adjust it to the three point line, know where Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were. Pool always keeps someone on them. This is a different animal because when you look at Denver, they can run. They're not old. They get out and run. They're athletic. They can get out and you got a center pushing the ball. So when you got a center pushing the ball, that forces. You know Anthony Davis to come out on the floor, which now takes away your rim protection. And if you saw that first that first quarter in the first half, Denver got a lot of buckets by guys cutting to the basket, dive cuts, and Jokic find them on little bounce pass layups, and that caused the, the Lakers some problems. Now, where the Lakers got back in the second half was is the Lakers put Hachimura on Jokic because they felt like he was and they let stay, Davis roam. They 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 thought he was going to stay more on the perimeter. And so you put a smaller guy on him, but he's not going to be able to beat him off the dribble because Hachimura will be able to move his feet. And then if he comes inside, you can double with Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, those guys have to make shots. So I guarantee you're going to see that that's, that defense tonight. But I think Denver's also going to counter that because they were probably cut off guard in the second half.
1: Because Gordon was staying in that dunker spot. That let yes. Anthony Davis roam.
2: Yes, exactly. So I, I feel the Lakers are going to come out and do it again. They need, they need games from other people. You know, you you need Schroeder to play well. You need Hasha You need, you know, Lonnie Walker. D'Angelo
1: Russell's a no-show in one.
2: Yes, you you got to have him playing well. If those guys don't show up and play like they did in the other two series, the Lakers are not going to win because you can't just rely on LeBron and Anthony Davis to carry you.
1: Yeah, and even with the bad start the Lakers had, they only lost by six. So it's going to be interesting to see how that series develops. Before we bring in Scott Williams, we uh, should deal with the national story, which is, of course, John Morant for the second time being seen on Instagram Live uh, flashing a gun. And, you know, there was an interview with Adam Silver that was done by Malik Andrews the other day, and, and he was pretty much you know very candid about it, saying that he was shocked that he would do something like this again so soon after he got an eight-game suspension for having a gun in a, in a Denver-area nightclub. I don't know how long the suspension is going to be, but it's going to be significant. And not only is it going to damage Jaws brand, it's going to hurt this Memphis team, which which looked like it was an uh, on the rise kind of team in the West. Now, now, what do they do? Well, what
2: they need to get this guy some help and and you know really try to get him to understand because because what he's done, like he didn't break a law. You know, he's able to brandish a gun. He's able to have a gun. He's not a convict, never been convicted. But you have certain morality clauses in your NBA contract. You know whether you've read the fine print or not you have them and i know for a fact that's in there (laughs) so he probably didn't read it but it shows you that he has no respect for authority because here you are you just not less than a month has gone by since you got suspended and really everybody wants to blame dylan brooks you got to give job rant some of that blame too because that team when he when he left that put a big big did in that team and when he came back he didn't look like the same player you know mentally didn't look like he was in it so he's got to take some blame on that but to, to listen he's 22 23 years old i'm not making any excuses for him because you are going to make mistakes you're going to make mistakes but you got to surround yourself with positive people that bring positive energy to you you don't want to be around negative people the yes men you know his father i don't know his dad Um, But from the videos I see, you know, the dad is always, you know, basically like his best friend. You know, he's hanging out at the clubs and making it rain. And, you know, as a father, you can't do those kind of things. You got to see that your son is getting out of control. You got to see that your son was not raised that way. And you got to put your foot down and say, hey, look, you need to get yourself together here because you're costing yourself a lot of money. And trust me, the NBA is going to be here long after John Moran is done. That's There's true. great players coming every single year and Nike's getting ready to drop them. I think, cause they did the same thing to Kyrie Irving. Uh, you know, they, they took his shoe off the market and then they dropped him, you know, and that's cause the guy didn't want to take the shot. That's cause the guy was, you know, uh, walking around and, and, and having his own point of view that he got dropped. This is a guy that's break, you know, basically doing what the league doesn't want him to do. He just had the conversation and said, Hey, look, we're going to suspend you this many games. Don't do this again. And then you got on TV with Jalen Rose and said, I learned my lesson. You know, I know I let a lot of people down. Da da da. And then you're right back doing the same thing to an NBA Young Boy song. Clap, clap, bang, bang. Oh Lord. Come on, John Morant. Stop it, son. Damn.
1: Other big story out of Philadelphia, they lose game seven to the Boston Celtics. Doc Rivers walks the plank two days later. Doc Rivers, one of the classiest individuals in the sport. I'm sure he'll resurface with another team if he wants to. But when you look at the fact that three of the past four championship coaches are out, Doc Rivers is out. uh, It's just amazing what kind of pressure is on coaches now, especially with the top-seeded teams. If you don't deliver a championship, you're gone.
2: It's sad, too, because, again, I've never seen a coach shoot a basketball, get a rebound, or play defense. It falls on the players and what you're doing now is just like we do every single day now you know we accommodate we coddle people we don't give people responsibilities and hold people accountable for their actions you know you got a guy you know you're in the playoffs i mean how do you if you're james harden how are you going to to las vegas to hang out at strip clubs and eat lemon pepper wings and you're in the yeah. playoffs. How can you Good even wings. be how can you even <laughs> how can you even be serious about your craft if that's what you're doing? You're flying clear from the East Coast to the West Coast to go hang out. When you are in a you're the second round of the playoffs trying to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and you have an opportunity because the winner out of Boston and Philadelphia had to be the favorites to get sure, to the finals. Yeah. And you got a chance to do that. And so now you find yourself, you know. You go in there, and obviously, you know, I heard where B was really devastated that Doc Rivers got fired. And then there's rumors that Harden was the one who did it. And then he's, you know, he came with Daryl Morey. Morey's the general manager. These players have to start being held accountable. You know, you got to stop blaming the coaches. I mean, unless they're just blatant, you know, they, you know they're oh, really – Except like, for
0: Budenholzer. We can definitely
2: blame him. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. Not, but but you got to stop blaming the players. And, and like I said, there's a lot of good coaches. Who would have thought that these coaches would be on the market right now?
1: Right. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you know, consider the amount won, of wins these guys have uh, let alone accumulated. Won,
0: well, if you're but, mediocre, you get an extension. Yeah,
1: wow. if you overachieve with a bad team, right?
0: Who, what are you saying? I'm not. Who am I talking about? Yeah, who are you might be about? a local coach? Oh,
1: oh shots a, fired! Shot, oh, straight
0: bullets. Sorry, did I do that?
2: Yeah. Wow, this all guy right. here. But you know what though? Hey, you know what? I no do. one, no what? one would have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? No one would have thought. No one would have thought these coaches would have been there. I mean, Nick Nurse. You got. You know. You got. Uh, Monty Williams. Monty Williams. Budenholzer. Yeah, and now you know, Doc. And then you got to remember before all those guys, it was uh, you know Frank um, from the Lakers. Um,
1: right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing I a mean, blank too. Oh, Frank Vogel, Vogel. Frank Vogel. He's oh, interviewed for some of yeah, these jobs. Yeah. Frank Vogel. I mean, yeah. a
2: championship coach. I mean, it was the bubble, but he won a championship. Yeah. I mean, he was fired a few years later. So coaching, coaching now, I'm telling you, the expectations now is win or find another job.
1: Yeah. Hey, our guy Tank is in the waiting room. Tank. Scott Williams, ready to join us on Give Me the Hot Sauce. We'll have more NBA talk with Scott. But first, I want to tell you about our friend Jeff Vukovic at Nationwide Insurance. When it comes to insurance for your auto home and business, make sure you contact the king of insurance, our buddy Nationwide agent Jeff Vukovic. You can reach him at jeffvuk.com. That's jeff jeffvuk.com. And he has the best jingle in the business, Days
2: Nationwide is on your side.
1: (laughs) We'll see if Scott Williams wants to sing when he joins us next. I give you the hot sauce.
3: Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hello com slash sale. And book your free consult today.
1: It's our pleasure to welcome in Stacy's good friend Scott Williams who joins us. Scott we had you on a couple of years ago and people uh, people love that show so we're glad to have you back. Obviously we're going to talk a lot of basketball. We're also talk about uh, your new book Through the Fire but first let's just catch up. What do you what have you been doing with yourself these days?
3: I will appreciate you guys having me back on. Uh, I really love this show. I got a chance to catch some of the, uh, the show that you did with Phil Jackson our my old coach there got me started in the NBA, and I think you guys just do a great job. So this year, uh, it seems like it's been a, a whirlwind. The book has come, finally come out. It took me much longer to get it done than I thought through the fire. A Memoir of Trauma and Loss, Basketball, and Triumph has been kind of my baby project here for the last two and a half years while I've been doing commentating over at Grand Canyon University. Shout out to the Lopes Slopes Up. Uh, they've made the NC2A tournament in basketball two of the last three years. So excited about them. And then following these sons uh, into the playoffs until they ran into a buzzsaw in the Denver Nuggets. Um, this kid, Jokic uh, King, uh, is unlike any big man um, since, you know, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal, things he can do out on that floor with his footwork, his vision, his passing ability, his soft touch around the basket. Uh, he had a triple double in the game one against the Lakers with six minutes to go in the third quarter. <laughs> you know, went on to score thirty four points, twenty one boards, and uh, fourteen assists. So uh, it's been a pleasure to be able to watch that guy perform.
2: Talking about Phoenix, are, are they? Are they? I know it's traumatic because I think everybody in Phoenix thought this team had a chance to get out of the the Western Conference and with Kevin Durant trade. Uh, You know, I don't think they vision Chris Paul being hurt, but they feel they still felt the team had enough to win a get to the championship and least challenge for a title. Are they? Are they devastated right now? Are are they in panic mode? Because you fire Monty Williams and it's like, oh man, it it just seemed like that was quick and, and drastic.
3: Well, a little shell shocked. There's no doubt about that. I think the team had expectations of winning a championship, at least getting to the NBA finals. Anything less than the Western Conference finals was going to be a huge disappointment uh, when they first traded for Durant. But as uh, bad luck sometimes falls on a basketball team, a freak injury and warm-ups prior to a game to Kevin Durant to ankle, cost him six to eight games of much-needed time on the floor with his teammates Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre, and the rest of the starters. He wasn't getting a lot of chemistry with those cats, not getting real comfortable uh, offensively. As a result, he never had one of those Kevin Durant moment games where he's dropping in 50 points and he's six and nine from the three-point line and, uh, you know, dishing out uh, eight to 12 assists and just never never the most spectacular player on the floor. And I say that even though he was a free throw away from having a 40-point game in game number three of that Nuggets series, it just... Booker seemed to be the guy during that playoff run that Obers was carrying the Suns this postseason. The injury to Chris Paul, I honestly believe hurt. Uh, The team would get in situations where the Nuggets would go on runs. They did not have that leadership to steady the ship on the floor. Monty Williams at times seemed as though he lacked uh, the ability to make adjustments on the fly when the Nuggets were putting on a 17-0 run to end the first quarter, uh, scoring 81 points in the first half. He had no answers, uh, and that was pretty much the end of the series there. And having a poor showing and a must-win game at home, uh, back-to-back years once to the Mavericks and then again to the Denver Nuggets was enough to uh, cost money his job
1: those folks watching on YouTube, you can see over Scott's right shoulder, he's got proudly displayed the front page of the Chicago Tribune after the yeah. three championships for the Chicago today. Bulls. And we, of course, have uh, banners decorating our office here in beautiful Palatine. Scott, you know, when you were playing, I don't remember if there were, the story was reported about the uh, nice bulls like that was reported about your childhood and, and the tragedy that befell you when you were in North Carolina. Was that story reported in Chicago? And and, and furthermore, what, what was your motivation in, in getting out front publicly and telling your story in this new book?
3: Well, uh, you know, a few people did know there was a couple articles written, um, but not everybody knew my story. Um, and it all kind of hatched as an idea. uh during the middle of the pandemic or the height of the pandemic, when, you know, the NCAA tournament was canceled and the NBA season was shut down. Major league baseball was shut down. We had no sports and Michael Jordan released his 10 part documentary, the last dance and got a chance to catch up with Stacy and will and BJ and Cliff Levingston, some of my old teammates. And we start you know telling stories about those early championship runs. Well, I like to call it the first dance and I start putting some of those stories on social media and uh, people start saying, hey, why don't you write a biography about that? Uh, we like them the stories. So I got with this guy named Ben Guest who was working on a book. And I said, I'll help you with yours if you help me with mine. And I started telling stories about Chicago and, and even North Carolina. But he said, Scott, what happened before uh, you got to North Carolina growing up? And that's when it got real and it got raw and real emotional. I grew up in a house with a lot of domestic abuse, both physical and um, a ton of verbal, uh, directed at me and my brother and my mother. And um, I share all those stories in the book and and the shame I had of um, trying to keep that from um, the outside world and uh, all the, I guess, horror that we were living with. I I write about having to stack pots and pans in front of my bedroom door. So if my father would walk into the room, I would be alerted Um, uh, having to sneak out of the second story of of our of our home and and hiding in a neighbor's house that I had the key to. I was taking care of their plants while they were away on vacation, waiting for my mother to come home so you know we could come back and and you know be there for her and felt it was safer to come home when she was th- around. So um, that that was painful. Um, I got a knock on my door from my coach, started my sophomore year in college after my mother had left my father and told me that he found her across town and, and put a gun on her, shot her, and killed her, and then killed himself. And uh, that was the lowest point of my life. I, I wanted to give up on college and go back to North uh, California, be closer to family. And Coach Smith just said no. He wanted me close. He had promised my mother that he would look out for me when I was away at school. And uh, true to his word, that uh, Carolina – Uh, family, the Carolina culture wrapped a warm blanket of love and protection around me. And, uh, you know, I had some dark days uh, where I didn't sleep and didn't know where I'd find the strength to get through a coach Smith practice. Uh, he worked as hard, you know, he didn't take it easy on me. So, um, I felt as though if I had that inner inner strength and willpower to be able to handle a coach Smith practice, uh, and still be able to go out there and perform on the floor, that uh, I could get through anything in life. And one thing that Coach Smith always did was it was the player's responsibility to remember three things on that practice plan. There was an offensive emphasis, which might simply be make the extra pass on offense. A defensive emphasis could be sprint back on defense. Uh, but the most important thing was the thought for the day. And it had nothing to do with basketball. It came from politicians, world leaders, sports icons. pop are figure, pop figures, uh, culture people. And the one that was a recurrent theme over my four years there was it's never too late to do the right thing. And so I released my book. I, I wrote it and there was days that I thought there's no way I'm telling some of these stories out in public for fear of the Twitter trolls. And it's real. I talk about uh, wetting the bed uh, as an 18 year old and as a senior in high school. Uh, and I didn't know why you know but it, it, it's that fear and that trauma going to sleep every night and i i didn't want that you know that knowledge out there it's embarrassing but i thought about what my mother did and the sacrifices that she made and how she wanted me and my brother to be strong confident individuals um she didn't raise no punks no sissies so um i put it out there and that's being well received my hope is that I will help a young man or a young girl or even a young woman in an abusive situation. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to save a life, but I hope I can change one and all to one. They can see that if I can make it and achieve my goals of getting a college degree and my dream of playing the NBA, so can they achieve their goals and their dreams as well.
2: Yeah, Scott, that's, that's one of the things I think that, you know, people need to know that a lot of times athletes get, we're looked at as superhuman. Like we don't have issues behind the scenes. We don't have things that they're dealing with. Uh, because we're on a certain level, but you know, we bleed, we cry, we hurt like everybody else, and it's it's good to see, you know, yourself and some of these athletes like Demar Derozan who talks about mental health, come out and Kevin Love who are not afraid, who are coming out telling their stories, telling people like, hey, look, you know, these things happen to me, I'm human, you know. Um, as this was going on when you're writing this book, I know because I know how how important your mom is. And my mom is the same way I'm, you know, moms are sacred, man. though they're, they're on a totally different, you know, pedestal when it comes to moms, you know, um, tell our, tell our listeners a little bit about your mom and, and, you know, how much she meant to you.
3: Yeah. King first, that first part of what you said is so important mental health. I think 35 years ago, you know, probably even 25 years ago, uh, if an athlete had some sort of, um, issues and they were struggling with their mental health, it was looked at as a sign of weakness. And nowadays, it's not so much anymore. It's great to see these teams are helping players. I know Wiggins, uh, the kid John Morant uh, has got some issues, uh, and they're addressing them, and they're getting some support from the team uh, as well as the NBA, and not just the NBA, but a lot of a lot of different um, sports organizations, even tennis and golf. So I'm uh, so glad to see that that uh, is not the stigma that it used to be. You know, my mother was my everything uh, growing up. She was uh, the first one that taught me how to play uh, baseball when I was three years younger than my brother uh, he didn't want to be tagging along with him all the time uh, it was my mother that took me in the backyard would get grounders to me and taught me how to get my mitt down on the ground and uh, catch a ball in my, in my glove and, and get it out quickly and be able to aim and fire and throw it back to her or put the ball the bat on the ball watching it uh, with my eyes um, you know those are the early memories that I have of getting my first love from from my from my mother, is she's five ten, long legs, uh, beautiful smile, dimples, and uh, just a beautiful woman. You know, quick to quick to laugh or tell a joke. Uh, always had a smile on her face, even though, um, you know, like I said, we we were um, a, a household. I mean, in, in it, from the outside, everything looked good. You know, two story suburban house, swimming pool in the backyard with a jacuzzi and a fire pit. You know, a Cadillac and a Volvo in the driveway. Um, there's people that have come up to me that lived on my street that went to high school with me, had no idea of some of the horrors that uh, my brother mother and I were going through.
1: I heard you on a podcast recently, uh, given credit to Michael Jordan for helping, uh, launch your career with the bulls. And we all know MJ can be, can be a good guy, but he can be a tough teammate. Um, <laughs> And we also know Jerry Krause is about as stubborn a guy as there come. And Michael, in the past, he tried to get Walter Davis on the team at the end of Walter's career, and he tried to, uh, you know, push other North Carolina guys to Krause. And Krause always wanted to say, "This is my team. I, I you know, I do the roster. You know, don't don't bother me with this stuff." <laughs> 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 so how did how, how did it work? You know, I, I, you told a story about that you worked out with MJ in the summer before training camp, and eventually that led to Krause inviting you to training camp because you were an undrafted guy even though you had great stats at North Carolina. How much of a role did MJ have? And what were your conversations like with Jerry leading up to being invited to training camp?
3: Yeah, I write about this in my in my book. I um, I was pro- kind of projected to be a, a low lottery pick or a first rounder. And I slipped all the way out of the draft. And a lot of it had to do with uh, my right shoulder would sublux or dislocate in basketball games. And uh, so I go undrafted. And um, there was a small window for undrafted rookie free agents back in the you know, late 80s, early 90s to try to stick and make a team. And just so happened, Fred Whitfield, who was a buddy of Michael George, was putting on a basketball camp for underprivileged kids about an hour down the road from Chapel Hill in Greensboro. And I get finagled at myself an invitation to be able to play in that because MJ brought a lot of pro guys from the NBA and some of the Charlotte Hornets, which is a new franchise um, that just started in 88 uh would would come up so one of my former teammates at North Carolina GRE who I just sent a book to yesterday um was playing in that game and it gave me a good hard physical game of basketball which was my strength um in fact Jordan had said to the guys in the locker room prior to taking the court um if you're not here to play a real game of uh, physical basketball game there's a door you can leave so everybody was you know taking his cue and You know, slamming bodies into each other and blocking each other and knocking people down. You know, seriously, Uh, it's 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 uh, they're making a documentary out of it, as a matter of fact, because no one can believe how hard we played uh, in those games. But um, my game was tight and I got an offensive rebound late in the basketball game. I found 23 uh, over in the right corner with his tongue half out of his mouth and fired a strike (laughs) to him and he knocks down what's going to be the game winner. So I remember him getting in this red Corvette after the game. And what I didn't know was Fred Whitfield was tells the story that he immediately gets on the phone with Jerry Krauss, who as you guys know is the general manager of the Chicago Bulls and says, you should give Williams a tryout. But I almost screwed it up because uh, the day that I was supposed to go to Chicago, I went down to Charlotte thinking it'd be easier to make that squad because yeah. they were a new expansion team. I played with Jr. I knew Kenny Gaddison and, a couple of the other guys that things that they had on the squad, and thinking being a Carolina guy, two and a half hours from Chapel Hill would, you know, be a plus for me. But they failed me on my physical again, so I get on a plane that afternoon Krause picks me up for the airport because I heard you failed your physical. <laughs> but uh, they signed me to the, a rookie uh, contract, uh, and I had to try to make the rookie squad, and then got invited to veterans camp, and there was about eight of us trying out for that squad, and I just showed up one one morning, I was the last guy standing.
2: Take, I always tell people because you know, we have so many great stories of those championship runs, and I also call it the first dance because that was the first time that the Bulls won a championship, the organization won championships. Tell tell our listeners what it was like for you being on a team with so many stars like Jordan and Pippen, and it felt like it always felt like a rock band with me, like you two or somebody. You know, T- tell tell the listeners your experience when you came in from North Carolina, undrafted
3: player, and you come on that team. Well, it, w- it was great because like you said, Stacy, it was um, a circus, right? We were, we were like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. When we went on the road, we had the be- biggest, best player on the planet, most marketable guy, obviously. Um, people flocked to his style of play. Uh, so everywhere we went, there was you know people cheering for us on the road as well as on the home. I remember going to Cleveland and Landed at 2 o'clock in the morning because we had played the night before. And there's, you know, 150, 200 people outside of our hotel just to get a glimpse of MJ in a snowstorm. Uh, It was surreal. But the thing I remember most about my rookie year was the intensity of training camp. That how the first day, maybe even before, that night before, Phil and Jerry and the rest of the squad were talking about how we needed to have the best record. Uh, in the Eastern Conference because they had been vested by the Detroit Pistons the previous three years in the playoffs and that they didn't think that they could win a game seven on the road in Detroit and wanted to make sure they got to a situation like that, that that game would be played in Chicago Stadium. And training camp was a war. Uh, MJ was a smoldering beast. The way he, the way he attacked every drill, um, all of our scrimmages, and everybody else fell in line, took that that cue, beat the snot out of one another, <laughs> as as you know, for you know two and a half, three hours every day, full contact for 14 straight days. And uh, but it you know then we start the season 0 and 3. <laughs> fun, things, things got well, things got even more ratcheted up from there. But before we finally hit our stride in up winning 61 games that season, and then sweeping the Pistons and beating the Lakers was uh, just Unbelievably surreal for me because I grew up in Los Angeles. I grew up a huge Laker fan. In fact, I wanted to go to UCLA. They messed up the recruiting. That's for another show. But uh, playing playing against Magic Johnson and James Worthy, I wore number 42 because I wanted to be James Worthy in high school and in, in, uh, in college. Sorry, James. I felt I did a bad job of uh, trying to uh, be as good as that Hall of Famer. But um, that was just an unbelievable moment. I remember after we won the championship going into that locker room being happy, but also crying because my mother wasn't there for to be able to celebrate, which was a goal of a shared goal of ours of winning that NBA championship. Of
1: course, you came in a year after Stacey and uh, BJ Armstrong. What was it like for, uh, for you, young bucks, to go on the road and, and hang out? You got any great Stacey King stories?
3: <laughs> oh, Stacey was my road dog, man. We, we used to get into a lot of trouble. <laughs> there, was, there was no cell phones back then, right. so, And no internet, so could, not not much of anything we got uh caught for uh ended up uh online but that which is a good thing, but you know I remember the first road trip I had uh hanging with stacy we went to Princes Club in, in Minneapolis. Uh, <laughs> the, we were up there to play the T-Wolves, and uh, Stacey indoctrinated to be what life in the NBA was all all about. I mean, we went out, we hit the club, we were on the dance floor, we were drinking the cocktails, talking to the pretty girls. I said, I don't like the NBA.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you know, it,
2: it's it's funny because like you know, we we talk about it. I mean, we're older now, so like me and Scott, we were we were single at the time, so yeah. we, used uh-huh. to, we we had this little ritual. Like, if I had a girl that was coming up to see me and I hadn't met her yet, I hadn't, like, physically met her, I would give her Scott Williams' uh, his dorm, his room number. Cause yeah, you got to be, gotta the, be uh, careful, he would, right? He would be on the other end of the hall. So so I would say, come down to room 1224, that's Scott's room. Yeah. So then I would be, when I hear the elevator go, ching, I would peek out the door. Because if she was pretty, if she was pretty, I'd be like, hey, this is Stacy. you couldn't
3: see Stacey? I'm, I'm over here.
2: But if she wasn't up to my standards, Scott, you got him. <laughs> oh man. Scott,
3: but no, but no, no but we, they, but we they didn't were on dating apps back then. No, right? we, didn't, so we, we didn't. We didn't. Right. just get showed up. You got report like guys can today. Oh, <laughs> oh. And and the all-time the
2: all-time greatest story. You no, don't tell it. You already uh, know it. You already know it. It should have been in the book. You should have put it in the you book. You're gonna
3: tell down in Orlando. Oh,
2: the tiny the Avenger. Tiny Avenger. <laughs> the tiny Avenger. I don't know, listeners. You heard this story last year or a couple years it's ago. It's worth so telling again, yeah. i tell you. So we're in Orlando. We go on Church Street where all the bars are. So for young guys. Uh, you know, first, second year in the league, man, we're in hog heaven. We're on a winning team. We're like rock stars. Everybody wants to touch this and everybody wants to talk to us. So you can imagine me and Scott, you know, BJ, we were just having a blast, you know. So we go in this, we go in this place at in, in Church Street. And so we're, you know, Scott's in there, he comes in and and I was already there and Scott comes in and then um this, this little voice was on the floor saying, Hey, Hey, you know, Hey, pick me up. And, I, and I, it's so loud in there. I said, man, I keep hearing this voice. Yeah. But I don't know where Where's it is. Where's that coming from? Where's it coming from? So I'm looking around and I, I'm talking to this girl and her friends. So I'm thinking it's them. I said, did y'all say something? They're like, no, no, that's her little friend. And so I look down and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh,
2: she's like, Pain. hey, handsome, pick me up. Put me on the bar. And I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so, so I pick put her up. Put me on the I bar. Pick, I pick her up like a little doll. So I put her on the, on the bar. She's standing on the bar and she goes, I like my men tall. And I was like, Ah uh, <laughs> no, no, no. She, she, then she commenced to tell me who she was. She's Tiny Avenger off of In Living Color, you know, the handyman skit. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I watched that show. Are you really the Tiny Avenger? So I looked it up. It was her. Yeah. And uh, she goes, yeah, like my man tall. My last boyfriend was 6'9". And I was like, I should call the police on this one. <laughs> it's, not, it's not physically possible because she's so little. So she goes, she says, well, you got a girlfriend? I, I go, yeah, I got quite a few. I, I can't do this. <laughs> but, but I got somebody I can introduce one of my friends because she yeah. goes, you got any friends that are tall like you? I said, yeah, I got just the guy for you. Just stay right here. Don't go anywhere. Stay on the bar. Stay on the stay bar. Stay on the bar. Stay on the bar. <laughs> it was like, was it Coyote Ugly? So she she stayed on the bar, right? So I go, Scott's over there. He's having a good time. He's with his little buddies. He's drinking, having a good time. I said, Tank, Tank, come over, man. I got this girl. She's, she's, she wants to meet she- All she kept talking about was, I want to meet Scott Williams. I want to meet Scott. I want to meet the Tank. I want to meet the Tank. So I said, he goes, well, how does she look, King? I said, she's pretty sexy. <laughs> she's, pretty, she's pretty sexy. Come on, man. Come on, come on. And Scott, being a young guy, you know, he's like a little hound dog. Really? Okay, let's go. So we, w- we walk right into we, that. Walk, so, he, so we come across. You know, you know, when you watch King Kong and he's going through the forest and all the trees are moving? Yeah. That's how we were coming across the dance floor. We're moving people <laughs> out of the way. So we we meet the tiny Avenger. So he goes, King, where's she at? So she's on the bar. <laughs> Get out of here. Like, no, no, she's on the bar. You gotta be kidding! She's come here, big fella. Come here, I like my guy tall. This is my friend Scott Williams. You wanted to meet him? Here he is. Oh, he's handsome. Oh, well, he's he's handsome. He's a tall drink of water. And and so so so, so as the night went on, tanks out there dancing. <laughs> they
3: like they like, like dance with a girl. He's got her on his shoulder like a little right. baby. <laughs> no, no, that's what
2: it's talking it too far. <laughs> 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 so, like, don't tell anybody, say, I King. King, don't I tell got got anybody. Got don't worry, I ain't saying that, Tate. What happened at the end of the night, Tate? What happened at the end of the night, the of the night <laughs> Hey, 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 hey they had no cell phones. Your grave. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, that, so they're saying what goes on in Vegas, stayed in Vegas, what happened in Orlando? Uh, no one needs no, to know. I'm no, I don't want to put no false accusations out there. I <laughs> I, I, I bought her a Drake. I was polite. It was all about the
2: rest of my business. Oh my God! I'm telling you what I'm. I was looking through every every chapter of Through the Fire to see if I could find that particular uh, incident because everything else is in there. I'm like, okay, so I know I know the Tiny Avengers got to be in there. Yeah, the Tiny Avengers no. not in there. Wow. You know.
3: I tell a lot of stories obviously about my time in Chicago with MJ and, and, and you and, and Cartwright and Paxton, and um, um, Scotty and Horace. Uh, but one thing I wanted this, the book to, to be about was I wanted it to stand on my own two legs. I didn't want to share too many things with, you know, to be a sensational book. It's not a tell, uh, tell all book. I love playing with you guys in Chicago. These are my brothers. I always talk about the, the way that Michael um paxton craig hodges and and cartwright taught us younger players how to be pros was the reason for the length longevity of my basketball career and I, i call it always be pro um abp because it's one thing to be able to produce on the court and there was a lot more players that were probably more talented uh than i was that didn't play I think as long as I, you know, as I as I did for 15 years because of the um, professionalism I, I was taught at a younger age. And, and I had a chip on my shoulder, too. When I wasn't drafted, I wrote down every player's name that was drafted, who drafted them. And I was determined to play longer than everybody in that 1990 draft class. And I did play longer than everybody except for one dude. Stacey. you might remember, he's the only Hall of Famer from that 90 draft class. And I'll tell you, I'll give you a hint his nickname, is The Glove.
1: Oh, no, yeah, all right, GP. Gary Payton, yeah.
3: Wow, right. I didn't know. I didn't yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah, fifteen Gary
1: years Payton. in the NBA for Scott Williams.
3: Yeah, I played fifty. I think GP played seventeen. Won a championship, I believe, at the end of his career uh, down in Miami. Talk
2: a little bit. You know, we had Phil on last week, and you know that was that was a really good good show having him on. And um, you know, I've always told my experiences with with Phil. You know, how as a player, um, you know, sometimes great, sometimes not so great, but. <laughs> tell tell our listeners a little bit about your experience playing for for phil jackson
3: well i don't know if you notice my lips tighten up a little bit <laughs> I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of like you spacey um, you know i had some great experiences there obviously phil uh and jerry gave me an opportunity as an undrafted rookie to try to go out there and prove what i could do in the nba and i've always grateful and appreciated for that phil put me in a uh, and all of us, I, I write about in my book what it was like to learn that triangle offense, how hard it was, how many different pieces there were, how you had to read and react not only to your teammates but also the defense. Um, but it also was a system that allowed me to show my strengths of what I was as a player. Why a lot of times he put me in positions to minimize my weaknesses as well. Like he did, I think a lot of us uh, that we were all very successful went on to you know play on other teams and be successful and be contributors. But there was also other the other side of that that I always say we weren't close. I wasn't close like a relationship like he had with Michael or John Pax, And I always felt like I was the low guy on the team and was taking a lot of the SHIT that rolls downhill sometimes on a uh, in the pecking order. And I didn't always appreciate didn't always appreciate that uh, he wasn't coming over to my house for dinner, and I'm sure he wasn't inviting me over to his. So, but the working relationship was wonderful. It wasn't like my relationship and Coach. Uh, with Coach Dean Smith at North Carolina, who was a father figure to me. Uh, And in the NBA, it's something different. Um, You want him to pull the best out of me and uh, me to be able to go out there uh, and produce for him on the floor as well. It's kind of a two-way street.
1: Take us back to winning that first championship. The night in Los Angeles is the famous shot of uh, Jack Nicholson coming up and shaking Phil Jackson's hand, saying, (laughs) you you got us. Um, What was that night like and uh, and, uh, what was the celebration like afterwards?
3: Uh, that was crazy. You know, I, I remember not knowing quite what to do as we ran around the court. They don't have that on court celebration and, you know, bring the, all the, the confetti down when you're on the road and build the stands. And you, know, you go, you run down to the locker room and you meet, you know, Bob Costas was back on NBC back then. You meet Bob Costas down there with with Commissioner Stern. Um, he uh, rest in peace. It's so much good for this uh, NBA. But um it was a totally different thing. You grab the teammates. But I remember before, before, you know, we're all jubilant. And then it was Craig Hodges and Coach Jackson kind of pulling us back together because after ball games, we would always say the Lord's Prayer. And I I thought that was really kind of cool as so though we're so excited and the adrenaline's pumping that we we did take the time to give thanks Um before we kind of pop start popping the champagne bottles and, and spraying one another with it. We, you know, we did have the goggles back in the day. You had the, the <laughs> stink, the sting of the champagne, you know, hit your eyes and balls and start turning it red. And, you know, they were, they were cold. And, uh, it, but it was, it was, it was a, something that, uh, it's hard to recreate that in life. And I was on Kermit Washington's podcast and we were talking about what it's like to be a player and the adrenaline of winning a big game and playing, a cha- you know, championship games. Um, I don't know what's adrenaline and a mixture of an X factor that I remember when I was about to have a child and people were saying that it's going to be the greatest experience of your life. And I write about the book. I don't know if it's my kid Benjamin of it but being a father has been the greatest thing I've ever done better than playing in the NBA. But for that singular moment of when that clock hits double zeros and you know all the things that you have sacrificed, <laughs> The parties that you've missed, the family celebrations, the rehab, uh, the injuries, um, all the sprint work that you've done, the time in the waiting room, the film session, traveling around the country and getting in at three in the morning. All the sacrifices all come to make you feel like you're just on top of the world and you can't get it from from drugs or sex. Uh, Even money doesn't recreate that feeling. I don't know about the sex
2: part. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest here, big fella. Hey, hey, I don't know about that thing, But the other ones, I agree with you, big dog. <laughs> <laughs> now, Scott, talking about, talking about you, you just hit on and talking about being a father and how that's the greatest experience for you. You know, in your book, you talk about breaking the cycle from how you were raised with your father and what you had to endure, the abuse, the physical abuse and, and the abuse of your mom. And you decided that it stops with you, you're not gonna ever be
3: that kind of father to your kids.
2: Talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about your kids
3: yeah Stacy um domestic violence is a learn learned behavior uh unfortunately you know, one out of twenty people excuse me not more, twenty people every minute are affected by domestic violence here in the United States. One out of every three women at some point in time, time in their life will either be affected directly or, or know somebody that will be affected directly. One out of seven men is, um, will also, same, same, same statistic. And one thing that um, I've learned from working with domestic violence centers over the years is that uh, unless someone is willing to commit to getting help or getting treatment, then they're apt to create the same behavior. Watching my father strike my, my brother over the head with a wine jug and, and blood squirted everywhere. And my brother dropping to the floor in a hotel room in Hawaii uh, on a vacation. You think there's going to be a, a great family trip and uh, the lies, the hotel security and everything else is it's, it's, it's devastating to watch that at, at a young age. I thought my brother was dead. I honestly did. I, I've never seen so much blood before in my entire life. And that, that was Something that I I never, ever wanted to bring that type of one uh, direct physical violence, but also the yelling, the verbal uh, abuse to uh, my relationships. So um, talking about that with my uh, kids, with people that I uh, trust and and counselors and, and how to break that cycle is very important for people that have find themselves, young people that find themselves uh, in the same similar situation that I I was in, because it's a lot of shame, a lot, lot, lot of shame that goes with uh, being in a household such as that. in you know, think of this it was just, you know, physical and verbal abuse. I can't even imagine uh, people that I've had spoken to that have opened up to me that have been sexually uh, abused as well. That's also something that is, is passed on from from generation to generation. But my kids are fantastic. Benjamin, 21 now, um, down in Austin, working in with the Austin Spurs program. I know he's over the moon excited about the opportunity to that they got the number one pick in that uh, the big seven foot five guy from France. I could always butcher the uh, pronunciation <laughs> of his last name, but uh, you know that he, he's going to be coming to, to uh, the um, San Antonio Austin uh, area, so he'll get a chance to watch him play a lot. My daughter Ava is 20 now. Uh, she's a fantastic down there in Austin as well. She was number one equestrian rider, uh and just loves horses. So she's uh working in that in that field, the equestrian field as well. So big shout out to Benjamin and Abe. I'm I'm sure we'll be watching uh this if not live uh down the road.
1: Well Stacy already uh kind of embarrassed you once but now's the portion of the program where we ask our third member of the, the of our group uh tim kelly to ask a question which you, you got to buckle in for this because you never know what he's going to ask he always does some private research and comes up with something that we don't know
0: about well, i got a couple Sorry. things for, for scott well one is uh, when uh, you were in a holy sweater and uh, jordan said to you hey i could play nine holes on the front and another nine holes on the back is that is that a true story
3: <laughs> <laughs> well i don't remember if it was jordan or if it was Will Perdue. I uh, I kind of get that one mixed up. Yeah, you know, I was making a meme. I had this great red. It was a it was a, a Ralph Lauren sweater. So I was real proud of it, but it was getting a little tattered. I, I won't <laughs> lie. I don't think there was nine holes in it. it, was, it was exaggeration <laughs> continues to grow, but it might have had a hole or two around the collar or maybe down on the uh, on the backside for sure. But uh, you know that was the great thing about being on those guys on those teams. You gotta have thick skin, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, and I and I and I, and I write us in, in the book a little bit about you know Stacy and Bill Cartwright and their, and the relationship that the two of them had. Stacy was the master, uh, the best teammate I've ever had in 15 years of being able to do voice impersonations, and he had bills down to an art form, and Bill.
1: Hated he never got too, too hot about it. anything,
3: but absolutely hated it yeah. when, when Stacey would get on him and do that because the entire bus would roar with laughter <laughs> that, she, that Stacey had it, it, they had it nailed so good. And uh, one of the ones I think that set Bill off the most was when Stacy would do uh, Christmas carols uh, in Cartwright's voice during <laughs> the holidays. And uh, that one got... Stacy, uh, I'm so mad that uh, he came back and and wrote a, a, a flyer for a basketball camp uh, for uh, right right-handed players. Uh, Stacy King's right-handed basketball players. <laughs> uh, Stacy being a lefty had trouble going right at times. So I write about that in the book. But the, the cast, the characters that we had, like I say, grow uh, gr- growing in the early part of my NBA career was was the best the best thing that ever happened to. Him. Yeah, it's Jordan could be tough at times. Uh, but I also remember being on the road, him picking up a check or inviting us back into like the, a, a roped off area that he had before VIP was a thing. You know, th- th- those types of things sometimes get get missed when we talk about Michael Jordan or coming up on the front of the plane uh, and and after he had probably either got cleaned out in the back or cleaned those guys out in the back where they were playing a high money game where Stacy, Will, BJ and, and Pax and I uh, were, and Will were probably playing, you know, blackjack for 10 or 12, 10 or 15 bucks a hand. Yeah, you know, he'd come up and be the dealer and say, Hey, I'll be the bank. You guys bet whatever makes you uncomfortable. You know, I, I looked at that as as in trying to be part of the team and, and uh being connected to what we were doing up in the front as well.
0: Hey Scott, uh, also speaking of Bulls big moments, uh you came up uh this past April in the in the news talking about that kid Calhoun when he hit the million dollar shot. It says yeah. uh you, Paxson, <laughs> and Pippen went crazy. And uh or, yeah, and, and then or you that, also uh, advocated for him to get his money.
3: Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where um, you, when you're not always playing the rotation or whatever, you're looking to see what some of the things are going on during the time of out And I remember that, you know, million-dollar shot from three-quarters of the court. And it was obviously right in front of our, our huddle, our bench. So when a kid hit the shot, you know, I gave him a big high-five and a hug and started smacking him on his backside about seven or eight times. Uh, and I realized, this dude just made more than I made my entire three <laughs> years here. <laughs> just on these minimum contracts. with this one shot he just did. So, yeah, there was something about him having played some D3 basketball, and uh, the insurance company didn't want to pay out. Yeah. But the bull stepped in, and they paid him uh, over 20 years wow
2: you know it's funny you, you you talk about how we used to when we were you know on the sideline during a timeout we'd always be watching the dancers or we'd be just you know just <laughs> watching around the, the the time we had robin ficker he came on our show oh, uh, yeah. yeah the the washington uh bullets oh, now, yeah, the Wizards. we had him on the show and he was hilarious talking about some of the things you remember him right
3: Oh sure, A heckler. Yeah, right yeah. The teams bench <laughs> I, I, I tell and, people, uh, I remember, I, the one time, remember the time he got on Jackson, started reading from Jackson. Yeah, yeah. The was, Maverick. That <laughs> well, was the only time I'd seen Phil Jackson not know what to say. Oh, Phil was <laughs> Phil was so
2: mad. I mean, he was. In, I mean, he'd read he'd read excerpts from the Jordan Rules. I mean, everything. He was. I'm telling you, if he was in today's game, uh, and he was allowed to do that, he would be escorted out. The guys could not handle that kind of heckling. He was a master heckler, man.
0: Phil got him back, though. Oh, Started reading about his...
2: Uh... Oh, the domestic abuse. <laughs> right. Yeah, remember? He had, <laughs> yeah, he had yeah, be, yeah. yeah, he had domestic violence, and it feels, feels like... And he slapped his wife in the kitchen and started reading his thing. I'm like, oh, that's slow, Phil. And Because then, and then, I remember in Maverick, it got Phil so mad that he even walked over to him and said, that's really low, Robin. That's really low. And so then when the role was reversed, Phil got him, and then Robin told him, that's low, Phil. That's really low. Yeah,
3: well, <laughs> but he got him. Yeah, Phil, Phil was, he wasn't from that Michelle Obama playbook of when they go low, I go high. Uh, Phil, got, no. Phil said we go low, I'll go even lower uh, and, and cut, uh, cut, him, cut him down. But I, I, do, remember, I do remember that guy uh, quite well. And, and I remember I was told, do not engage with him, just keep your mind focused on the basketball game. So to see Phil lose it <laughs> and, go, <laughs> and go back at him. That was that was kind of surprising. I know there was something you mentioned uh the Jordan Rules rules book and I I I here I am what it was thirty three years later for us, I think when that that book probably came out. And we had a reunion twenty for our twentieth year celebration of championship and um there was a paragraph about me that I didn't even know until much later that Johnny Bach had said that, uh, you know, he was afraid of me and that he brought a, <laughs> a, a gun to practice. I never knew that. I, was, I would have ran for a wall for Johnny Bach. I thought, I thought of him as the coach. I was one of the coaches I was close to him and Jim Clements. And uh, I was so shocked to hear that. You know, I'm not going to beat a guy that's that's no longer with us. But you know, th- those types, that type of attitude. Uh, no wonder Phil Jackson's never contacted me in 30 years. Maybe those dudes are crazy. I thought I was crazy. You like, know, I thought I was a great guy. Well, I worked extremely hard for those dudes.
2: You know what? You know it's funny. My rookie year. You know, because they had just played the Pistons before, and they, that's when Doug Collins got slammed on the on the table. They had the big fight at Chicago Stadium. So when I got to the bull, when I got to the bull, I think my first preseason game, I got ejected for fighting Scott Hastings. Okay, so after the game, they come in the locker room, and then Johnny Box sits next to me. He goes, hey, you know, I'm really proud of you. You know, you don't take any shit from anybody. I like that. He goes, but you know what? These guys deserve every bit of it. And he goes... Last year, you know, I got thrown into the stands and Doug got thrown on it. He goes, But this year I'm ready. So he lifts up his little he lifts up his little pants leg. You know, not always wear those cowboy boots. Yeah. And he's got Boop. like a Derringer on the ankle. <laughs> he had a gun. SBJ. BJ. He had a gun. And I'm like, this dude is packing on the bench. Like I thought that was like like I, at first I thought it was a normal behavior because I'm like how did, how is he is he able to get that on the bitch? But he had like a little derringer like a two a little two shooter that if so, he said if something goes off I'm ready Stace I was like okay wow. this dude is this dude is lost it
3: yeah <laughs> who is this like yeah. Wyatt yeah.
2: Earp what is the OK Corral what's going on here.
3: Yeah, he's he's a little a little crazy. Uh, no doubt about that one. You have on that, that that gun? Can you imagine what uh, John Morant would, would think about oh, that story right oh, now? He might uh-huh. support but, it. But this young fellow he here. It. He he needs he needs to uh, get some serious counseling for sure. But, um, you know, Johnny Bach, the master of that Chicago Bulls defense, the way he had Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen out there pressing and trapping, um, as much as. We were known for kind of an up and down freewheeling team uh in the east. I think our defense was what helped us win uh, those three champions at least know three championships we were on, and then the of course the, the second set of th- uh three Pete that they had as well it was It was the ability to be able to play both styles in the regular season, but also the ability to play defense and rebound um in the playoffs as well.
1: Well, Scott, it was really a lot of fun going back through memory lane. We want to Mm -hmm. encourage everybody to pick up a copy of your book. It's called Through the Fire. And we want to mention that 50% of the book sales profits go to the, to benefit the Compass Center.
3: Wait, 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 50?
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I I was reading that the wrong way. That was at a special, that was at a special event we were told about.
3: Yeah. yeah, no, we, we, we did do a, a book signing um, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We had kind of a special deal. But, yeah, I got to try to make some of this money back. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so the proceeds from each book will uh, from each book sold do go to not only the Compass Center in Chapel Hill, but also the Chrysalis Center here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. So, uh, please, pay, if you guys can can break out $10 or $20 to, uh, on Amazon.com, the Kindle version goes for 10 bucks. Uh, the paperback is twenty, and the hardcover is twenty-five. You can also get it on BarnesandNoble.com as well in paperback. So I, I really appreciate anybody that would do that. we will try to raise some money and raise some awareness to the two do- uh, domestic violence centers in uh, Chapel Hill, which is you know, and close to Coach Smith's heart uh, and my mother, for that matter, and then here in Phoenix where I live.
1: And Stacy's got some of his signature hot sauce heading your way. So we want to thank you again for joining us, Scott.
3: Best of luck.
1: It, Enjoy the rest of the playoffs and we'll have you on again. we we love chatting with you.
3: Yeah, we got to talk more more NBA. I I was a little surprised the Lakers got what in and, uh and, and Denver and got beat, but this kid Jokic, he's yeah. unbelievable. Uh, you know, he had a triple-double with 6 minutes to go. Uh, in that first half, first game, half number yeah. one. I'm looking to see what he can do tonight.
1: Should be fun. Both conference finals look excellent. Scott Williams, our special guest on Gimme the Hot Sauce. Thank, thank you very much. A lot of fun catching up with Scott Williams. Plenty of stories of uh, his exploits with Stacy and B.J. Armstrong. Young guys with some money in their pockets and lots of free time. and The Avenger. Yeah. that That's the all-timer there.
2: <sighs> hey, listen. It's <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing that ever happened to me to experience in my life was the tiny Avenger. I mean, the way you tell it is just lies. Uh, Scott, listen, Scott don't want to. He don't want to. No, wanna, of course he not. He's trying Johnny to forget Carter. it. Like, <laughs> listen, America, Scott, I love you, boy. But you should have seen him out there on the dance floor with this yeah. little bit lady. I mean, he was like this. She, like, I'm yeah. like, you hold a baby, right? He's holding yeah. a baby and he's dancing with her. You know, he's spinning and spins and. Oh I'm my like, goodness. I'm, I'm like, all right, Tank's gone a little bit too far now. We need to, we need to, we need to reel him in, Mark. Hey, this, this may not go the way we wanted to go. Yeah. And then at the end of the night. We're walking out. I'm going out with my people. I said, Scott, you need to ride back to the hotel. Now nah, I'm good, King. I'm good. So I'm like, You good? How are you getting back to the hotel? I'm good, King. I'm good. So I look, you know, there's a crowd of people walking through the door. Now remember, you can't really see her. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. So so she goes, Hey, it was nice meeting you. <laughs> so I'm, like, looking down, I'm like, Oh, snap. You now she's going home with him. Oh, so, so this, <laughs> I had to be sworn to secrecy. So he said, I say this. Whatever you do, you can't get back and tell anybody about this tomorrow at practice. I'm like, oh man, your secret is safe with me. It's safe. You already know that's not going to happen. <laughs> but your secret is safe with me. So I said, okay, cool. So get back to practice. We're all stretching, you know, and you know, we're just you know chilling. Everybody's you know talking about what they did on yeah. their off day, whatever. And I said, what do you, what do you young boys do on your off day? Y'all really want to know? Oh, <laughs> I can't even tell you we did. Scott Williams was with a little person, a little person, tiny Avenger. They said no tiny fins off of handyman everybody knew who <laughs> handyman. I go yes that was his date last night and they went ballistic they were telling jokes about that man for the next six months
1: that's probably why you didn't put it in the book you know, that's, was, that's not got, our story I, when, I, when I got
2: the there. book when I got the book through the fire you cause... thought it'd be in there I thought because he had to go through the fire to be with the Tiny <laughs> Avenger. So I thought that that he would be, you know, this is, is a good book, ladies and gentlemen. I'm serious. But the Tiny Avenger story is not in there. I was a little disappointed. You're follow the book.
1: So did you really sing Christmas carols as Bill Cartwright? Yes, I
2: did. Bill, let me tell you something, man. America. Yes, I, I do. I do great voices. I'm a person. Okay. But, you know, Bill Cartwright, and this guy was right because Bill hated it hated it there would be times like I would be on the microphone at a shoot around and the you know the pa system would yeah. be on and then I'd just be out there to be christmas time I'd be saying jingle bells jingle bells you know and then all of a sudden a, ba- a basketball would come like 90 miles an hour and just miss my head because he was trying to hit me with the basketball Hey! Cut
1: that shit <laughs> out!
2: Know, like, oh baby, oh baby, I'm just joking, but he hated it.
1: Hated I, it I could it. just see, see hear Stacy go, just, just it's roasting roast. You know hey, on it it the open America, fire. The America,
2: karma, <laughs> karma. You know what they say? Karma comes back on you. And he used to tell me all the time. He said, he said, hey, let me tell you something. You're gonna <laughs> lose your voice one day, and I'm gonna be there, and I'm gonna laugh. And I'm like, whatever, <laughs> dude, whatever, whatever. And sure enough. I had, I had to get my tonsils taken out like two years later. So he put like a little curse on me. So, yeah. yeah, And so my my Bill Cartwright voice is still there. I don't do it as much as I used to because he did curse me. But it's sometimes <laughs> still there.
1: <laughs> could have made an album of it. Stacy uh, King doing Bill Cartwright at Christmas. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. And break. Oh, we got to sell some stuff. How about the hot uh, sauce? We talked about it with, it. Uh, uh, with Scott Williams. Uh, let's bring uh, Christopher Walken in for a little promo here.
0: Well, Mike, I'm a little bummed. Why's that? I went to Jewel today. I had a couple bodies in the trunk, so I didn't have a lot of time. And uh, there was no sauce on the shelves
1: yet. Oh, got to get that on there.
0: Well, I think that Whispers guy didn't pack it up <laughs> right or something because it wasn't there. So I think by next week, we're going to be right. good. So go to King, or use, I'm sorry, use code King21. Go King to the King's house. At <laughs>
2: No, don't go to my damn house. You ain't getting no, unless you, no, you ain't getting my house no. No, I got no hot sauce to give you. Only one person got my hot sauce.
0: Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> tiny Avenger. No Tiny Avenger, baby.
2: No Tiny Avenger. Woo!
1: Give me the hot sauce. Yeah, that was yeah, it. That's, that's it. it. <laughs> that's it. You're packing it with love back in your uh, closet though, over there. Yeah, right? walkin
0: has gone. He's
1: He left. He left. Yeah, all right. Well, let's give some recommendations for for some stuff to watch. Stacey, you got anything for the folks?
2: Yeah, I watched a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, the program—it's a—it's a—it's a show about college football that was like 1993. I've seen it before, and I just happened to catch it again on on my Fire Stick, and uh, it's a great, great, great. You know, a rendition of what it's like in college sports, big-time college sports. You know, you had guys going pro. You had guys with the boosters. And James Kahn was one of the lead guys. Omar Epps was in it. Um, really, really a good uh, – Halle Berry was in it. So a really good movie. Um, I loved it. And uh, I'd watch it again. I'd, it's a must-watch if you like sports movies. Give me the next one. What's my next one? <laughs>
1: oh, okay. check that out. I haven't
2: seen okay. that yet. Okay. Good movie. Air. Good movie. Air. I have some complaints about the movie. I always think when you're going to do a, a true story, you got to try to get the people that match up to the people they're actually doing. Okay. That's the only way to me it, it really sells it. Okay. Miss <sighs> Jordan's character reminds me of her, Viola Davis. I I give thumbs up to that one. Okay. Feel wow. uh, <sighs> Knight. With with uh, Ben Affleck, ben Affleck I, no, I didn't. I didn't get that one. Sonny Vaccaro with with Matt Damon, absolutely freaking not, because Sonny Vaccaro looked more like grandfather on the monsters. Right? That didn't, yeah. Yeah, that didn't look nothing like Sonny Vaccaro. Okay, right. But the killer for me was David Falk, super agent of the nineties, who had all the yeah. big stars. He was my agent as well. Bird of prey. Oh my goodness, David David Falk. Is as bald as his head, as smooth as a baby's ass, okay? He had no hair whatsoever. But in this movie, he's got a salad. He's got a full head of hair. Cause I kept thinking, where's David Falkett? I'm looking for the bald headed guy, you know, that looks like, you know, Lex Luthor. I'm looking around, I go, where's he at? Where's he at? I see this guy with full head of hair, young looking guy, nice looking guy. And it's a. Uh, Oh, David Falk here. And I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. He must have some creative control. And Dave is yeah. my dude. Dave, Dave, you watching the show. I know why you did it. I know why you did it. Nothing wrong with that. You know, nothing wrong with that. You want to put, you know, if you, if you, you know, if, if I'm going to have somebody play me in a, in a, in a show, in a movie, I'm going to play my own self. because I'm you sexy. Go. You know, some people might say Denzel. Some people might say, you know, Shamar Moore, you know, Will Smith. I'm going to play myself. Michael B. Okay. Jordan? No, no, no. You want to nah, have him nah, do No, nah, I don't want to. Since
0: you used up now in Creed? <laughs> yeah.
2: No, <it's>, uh, nah. <laughs> no. Nah, nah, nah. I, I just think I'm going to play myself. I, I think I'm going to play myself. Now, if someone's going to play Whispers, guess who would play Whispers? Who do you think would play you, Whispers, in the show?
0: An old Christopher Walken? No.
2: No. No. <laughs> no. You, you give up?
1: Yeah. Clay Aiken? Here no. it comes. No, that's close,
2: though. But no, not Clay Aiken. <laughs> oh, Steve Buscemi.
1: Oh, yeah, Stephen Shemming. Right. I can see
2: him. I can see him being whispers. Yeah. I can see him. I, honestly, I thought about that the other day. I was watching Boardwalk Empire, and I was like, that's Tim Kelly. There you go. So
1: yeah, that's a good see, one.
2: Yeah, and Mark, you, uh, if they were to have a live version of you, Mark, shh, man, I'd probably have to say Wayne Newton. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: Dr. Shane, right? Wow. You know, the
2: young Wayne Dang. Newton. Wayne Newton had a great salad. Even in yeah. Wayne Newton in 90 had a great salad. <laughs> Come yeah, on, he's been
1: perform- performing in Las Vegas for 80 years. <laughs> yeah, he's only 93 years old. <laughs> Is he still alive? Yeah,
0: still uh, performing. Yeah. Still performing. Oh, see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, it's more like Weekend at Bernie's. They How we just going to
2: sit here just and Just roll him out. You know what? You know what? Hey, Wayne Newton, if you're listening, you're probably not. If you're listening. So if, you're listening <laughs> if you're listening. If you're, if you're alive, sitting on a couch somewhere, hey, man, keep doing what you're doing. Don't let these guys clown you. 93 years old. Hey man, more power! Yeah, to we own. see
1: Wayne Newton in the comments every week on yeah, YouTube. Hey, so yeah, yeah he, he's, he's watching. Yeah, at ninety
2: three, if I'm at ninety three, I'm hoping I got all my faculties.
1: Hey, whispers, you said you saw Bill Burr in Vegas. Yeah. Do you know he's the voice for an animated show on uh, Netflix called F is for Frank about a dysfunctional family? Yeah. You, have I've you heard checked it. that I've, out? I've not seen it. You got. You got to watch uh, it. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's all centered around his comedy.
0: But I did catch one of Stacy's recommendations What's over that? the weekend. Cocaine Bear. What did you, what did you think? What did you that's think? think? That's one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. <laughs> i you. I you. I mean, I mean, as far as just really knowing it's going to be the dumbest, stupidest thing I've ever seen, and just kick back and, and watching it. Then it's grab the popcorn and just enjoy it. It's it's absolutely hilarious. I told wow. you,
1: it, it,
2: the the concept is stupid. And, and oh, the, really? Yeah. The <laughs> <is stupid. laughs> uh, uh, based, based on a true story, <laughs> though. It's based, that's, based uh, on a true story. <laughs> it's <laughs> even funnier. The funny. grizzly bear is is snorting cocaine okay yeah and and when you think about that concept and, <laughs> and, then, and, he, and, then, and then he gets yeah and ray liota's last, last movie, movie last movie's on there but
0: he kills in it
2: and then you got uh you got uh mayor clay davis off the wire he's a he's on there you know he's uh he's a, like jesse a,
0: tyler a, ferguson
2: yeah i mean it, there's a good little cast there well, that's it's a good little cast that
0: scene in the tree with jesse but, tyler ferguson oh, oh yeah i was laughing so hard i was just that <gasps> uh, Just great. So if
2: you want a movie that you want to sit there and if you're not like, you're not on drugs, but you think you're on drugs when you're watching it, cocaine bear.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: I'm not advocating using drugs, but I'm telling you when you watch cocaine bear, you're going to be thinking you'll be starting to scratch yourself. Thinking something's wrong with you. (laughs) Like smokey in the hen house on Friday. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think it's time to pull down the curtain on what are we watching this week. It's brought to our friends at Bigger's Mazda. Their sizzling new Elgin location at Randall Road is the biggest Mazda store in the state of Illinois. Bigger's is offering a bottle of Stacy's Signature Hot Sauce with first test drives of new or pre-owned vehicles. It's your choice, everything from the coolest SUVs to the stunning Miata. Join the fun at 2100 Randall Road in Elgin at Bigger's Mazda. Tell them that Wayne Newton sent you. Wayne Newton. (laughs)
3: Wow. <laughs>
1: I don't think I'm going to be able to live wow. that down. I was that thinking maybe Tom Cruise or something. I get Wayne Newton. So Wayne Newton Steve Buscemi
0: better. and Wayne Newton. Yeah. 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 We'll be, we'll Bush- be living Bush- out of here. I, I no him, self-esteem. I give him Michael B. Jordan. He goes, no. <laughs> no,
2: no, 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 no. I'm not Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> well, you better something. turn down Brad Pitt, okay? Yeah, you know, I'm the black Brad Pitt. I told y'all. I was one of the sexiest men in Montana.
1: Yeah, you didn't mention that to Phil because, you know, Phil would have been – Well,
2: you know what? Phil would have been jealous because yeah. he lives in Montana. Right. So he had been mad. you have been he'd upstaging it, be, Yeah, see, look at that. Look at that, America. There you go. Ten sexy <laughs> men alive in Montana. Oh, look, hey, I forgot Paris. about Paris.
1: Uh, yeah, move see, over, Victor you Wemignano. Know, we got Stacey King. Listen, they were over there
2: yelling probably France" Francais when I was over there. Yeah. Shout out to all my fans in France who follow me. Oh, oh, Princeton.
1: Princeton. Oh, the Princeton man of the year. You know
2: what? I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy. I really went to Harvard, but, you know, but – uh you know, they put me on Princeton. I don't know why, but. That was hey. during the NCAA run. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it was. That was yeah, during the NCAA run. they won a couple of games, yeah. Yeah, that's why I said I went to Princeton. Yeah, that's exactly why. I, I lied. I didn't go to Princeton because <laughs> they lost. Whoever won the national championship, UConn, that's where I went. Go Huskies.
1: Before we get out of here, uh, we want to tell you about our folks at the Windy City Limousine. We'll oh, help Mike you get to back. where you need to go. Mike, Mike is, is back. back. All right. Mike is
2: back. He came back from Ireland. Let me get my little read here.
1: Get the gold pipes ready.
2: Windy City Limousine provides championship service. Making a reservation is so easy, it's a slam dunk. Let Windy City break the full court pressure or traffic and get you to your destination Uh. in style and on time. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Tim, were you sweating? Contact 847-916-9300. That's 847-916-9300. Or go to WindyCityLimos.com and tell them Nobody sent you because you're not going to get a discount. How how
1: would Bill Cartwright do that, Reed?
2: I'm not doing it, Mark. Okay, I'm not doing it. Come on, sir.
1: I'm not doing it. Do your
2: Mike Tyson.
0: Yeah, the Windy City. Oh no. Oh God.
2: Oh God. This is this is like a this is throat punch time right now, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, we gotta bury him. You gotta work on that one. It's gonna be the Tyson Pillow talk. Listen, there. no, 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 no. We gotta work on that. We yeah, gotta... we're
1: talking about our friend Al foreign who uh yeah. the impressionist Al who always oh. posts those quick videos, you know, like yeah, 10, yeah. 15 impersonations in ninety seconds and oh. whispers saying, Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him three or four of mine and like no, oh yeah. you know, we don't yeah, need I'm gonna, that. I'm
0: going to yeah. practice up before
2: he's out. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give him a run for uh, his money. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know what? I, I found another person, a person right here that I'm going to be trying to get on the show. He's pretty really right. good. I heard him. I saw him on Twitter. I, I sent a little feeler out, you know. Nice. I'm a big game hunter. I'm always trying to get the, the perfect guest out here. So, <sighs> speaking of big hunter. Mark, tell us what we we got planned for next week.
1: Hey, I know you love Scott Williams this week. Next week, another member of the Championship Bulls, one of these six-time champions, Scotty Pippen, is going (laughs) to be our special guest on next week's episode of Gimme the Hot Sauce. We're always live on YouTube, 4.35 o'clock in the evening, and you can get it the next day on all your favorite podcast carriers.
2: Well, we need to play the 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 price is right theme. We mentioned Scotty's name. We gotta play the prices. Professional analyst. Let's right. say thank you very much. We're a professional analyst. Thank you. A little slow on that. I should have been there before I even started talking, <laughs> but that's okay. No, we got Scottie Pippen coming next week. I'm excited about that because it's hard to get. Scotty to do interviews anymore, right. just like Phil. And uh, to us to be able to get him and come on my show, it's gonna be a fun show. So if you had fun with Phil, which you guys did make sure you tune in next week and and you know be watching the show next week it's gonna be a lot of fun
1: does pip know the tiny avenger story no
2: nah, he, he might know it, he, might know <laughs> it he, was in, he was in the back he was on the back side of when i told it so yeah. uh but Scotty's gonna have some really really good stories too he's he's you know all those teams that i played on you know there's millions of stories a lot of those stories that can be aired and we can talk about and there's other ones others that can't the like yeah. Now, Scott Wish, we never talked about the tiny <laughs> avenger and brought that out, but yeah. it was so good of a story, I had yeah. to do it. I had to do it. You can do that in the podcast world. Absolutely. I don't know if I do that on TV or anything, but you can do it on a podcast.
1: And world. make sure you pick up a copy of Scott Williams' book. It's called Through the Fire. <laughs> and some of the proceeds, not half, are going to help yeah, yeah, he victims stopped, of domestic he, he violence. You yeah, he really stopped quick. me right away. <laughs> hey, no. Oh, no, ain't half. Man's oh, got to make mean, a buck, I you know? make some money somehow. <laughs> there you go. Time to bring down the curtain on this episode of Gimme the Hot Sauce. Want to thank the Sriracha crew. Our guy Nikki celebrating a birthday. Happy birthday to him.
2: Happy 72nd birthday.
1: And until next time, (laughs) Stacy. Drive home
2: safely.
3: BB. Oh, my goodness. Gimme the hot sauce.